This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I am Brandon, and I will be your guide along the path of suns. Today, we sing one spell with a distant light pierces the mist. We talk about invisible sun stuff. Hey, uh, welcome everybody to Incantations. Uh, as you've heard, we have a new uh, we have a guest on tonight uh, today. Uh, it's, it's Brandon Ording. Uh, he's a friend of ours. Uh, he's a big MCG, uh, GM at Gen Con and, uh, Dragon Con these days. Yes. Does he still do that? Yep. All right. Uh, and he's, uh, been running Invisible Sun. Uh, he's, uh, read all the books. He's read way more than I have. He is way better with the rules than me. Um, so we thought it would be appropriate to have him on while he's up here in Wisconsin and buried under the snow. And uh, this will actually be the second time I've been on? Yes. Uh, You may recall, oh man, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Sounds about right. Have we been on on the air for two years, Scott? I don't think it's quite two years yet. Oh man, I'm going to have to look that one up. No, actually, I think it might be two and a half. Yeah. Yep. Well, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, because two years put us at 50 episodes before we switched to uh, weekly episodes. So yeah, two and a half years. Yeah, shortly after Gen Con this year is going to be our year three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, um, last time uh, Brandon was on, he he talked to us about uh, running the character development sessions at Gen Con along with Danny Neary. Yes, and uh, uh, also about uh, Monty's previous ad- uh, adventure, Massive City of Tullus. Oh yeah, we had you on there for that too. Same segment, I think. Same segment? Yeah, same show. Oh yeah, we oh we used to do two segments in a show, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you would know. You, you, you I've listen listened to every them. episode. I only listen to them when I edit them. Um. So hey, Brandon, uh, Invisible Sun. Um, how's how's it going? You've been running your own campaign now. Right? Yeah, I have been able to get my game started. Um, at this point, I think we've gotten four sessions gone. Um, we had mm-hmm. the first session with the you know neighborhood stuff, and then three actual gameplay sessions. Um, we've also been able to do a number of, uh, development mode side scenes. So mm-hmm. that's been uh, really cool as well. And, and you're playing in person. This isn't online. Yes, that's correct. It's an in-person thing. Um, though at this point for the side scenes, we've been using discord. So all that's all been through over chat. Cool. So none, none of that's been in person. Uh, yeah, that's cool. How often do you guys meet? The goal is to be meeting, uh, every other week. Um, we haven't quite succeeded in that. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, with all of my travel going on uh, towards the end of January and February, um, we haven't had to meet. We're not going to be able to meet at all in February, so it'll probably be March before we get to play again. Yeah, same here. Uh, I'll be traveling for the rest of February, so we won't be meeting. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I like to, to figure out when I'm talking to other GMs it, when they're familiar with the system that I'm running is... What were the sticking points you've run into and how did you get through them and what advice do you have for other GMs who are just starting to get up and running with a system that they're unfamiliar with? 
And ah. in this context, we're talking about Invisible Sun. Yes, I assume as much. <laughs> um, so the I think there's there's a number of things. I mean, for one, it's been trying to get people to learn both a brand new system mm-hmm. and a setting that's quite unusual. Like I feel like there's been some challenges around having all of that to do all at once. Cause usually, you know, if you're starting a new D and D campaign, you've like, everybody knows the rules, but they just need to learn the setting. Or if they don't know the rules, they're very straightforward. Right. It's everybody's, you know, like sort of, yeah. But like, so I, I know that's been a challenge for uh, some of my players is just kind of trying to understand like what the setting and world is even about, but mm-hmm. then also trying to fit in the, the mechanics that have very elaborate names and things like that. So it's like, so far, I think people are starting to get it, you know, and as I'm not having to go through and explain everything every time we want to do a role, like people are starting to get the idea of spending the points and stuff. But like, it's definitely been one of those things where it's like, well, you know, if you spend this point you, for Ben A, but then this one over here is, you know, sortilage for enhancements and just trying to work out the difference between a lot of that stuff. Like that's, yeah. that's been one of those things that's been made some of the, the roles and some of the actual mechanics a little getting challenging. Um but at the same time, you've also have this very surreal setting and people are having to ask basic questions like, you know, like, is there a postal system or like, where do I go to hire people if I want to perform a job? Like, it's like, there's just things that you might otherwise take it for granted. It's like, well, I don't know. Let's find out how this works. Or like, let's take the time to explain. Like, I just had a development mode scene where I had to go into details about like what everybody knows about thought forms. Because I, I mentioned a thought form and uh, my player, uh, Clint, uh, he was like, well, what's a thought form? And I went, oh, yeah, that's right. You don't know anything about those yet. It's like a magical being that has no, uh, what, sapience? Like, yeah, no real like free will of its own. It's more of a magical robot that's constructed uh, by, you know, Visley. Did you, did you tell him that, no, it's cool, don't worry about it? Or uh, So... You know, I guess you're talking about some of the aspects of like the weirdness around this is a person, but not really kind of thing. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's like I, I don't know that he in particular would care about that, mm-hmm. uh, especially since his character is sort of styled act after Doctor Doom. So oh, okay. he's probably going to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of I think his sort of his his initial inspiration for the character. So I think he's probably perfectly fine with just having you know a bunch of thought form minions doing his bidding <laughs> makes sense um okay so i want to go back and talk about uh the the things that your character your players are getting hung up on with the mechanics sure did any of them uh have any experience with the cypher system coming into this not particularly um that that group of players had run through some playtest stuff because I had, you know, had had access to a lot of the Cipher system playtests, and uh, mm-hmm. they ran through some playtest games. So, like a very little amount, but like since the game, they largely haven't uh, done much with the Cipher system. It's just we haven't had an opportunity to kind of get into that. So they they didn't have that comparison. Okay. So, and honestly, I don't know if that would have been beneficial or not like have you found like people who've had a cypher system experience are picking it up easier because like i'm to me it almost feels like that might not help because it's just different enough that i i think it actually is i don't want to say it's a hindrance but it is a hurdle that you have to get over if you're familiar with the cypher system because i i guess for me at first blush i looked at this and i said 
this is very similar to the Cypher system, but in playing it and actually running it, it is it is different. It yeah. is different in some significant ways that aren't super apparent. Um, what what do you think, Scott? Like how how have you taken to this system in comparison to Cipher? I I think it has been a little easier to transition people from Cipher because they are used to the sequence of uh, sort of having a difficulty, putting a uh, building up how you're going to try and meet that difficulty, and then rolling. So that architecture is the same. How you build and what the targets look like are a bit different. But it has helped a little bit, uh, though at Gen Con, it wasn't so hard to teach people who had not had Cypher system experience either. Mm-hmm. I think the one of the big things is uh, when you're building up your venture, you're, you're spending all this Bene, but you're very restricted in how much you can spend initially. And when it came to, I guess it just feels a little bit different when you spend one Bene, you get plus one, but when you spend effort in the cipher system it feels like a bigger bump when it kind of isn't right um i know one of the things that uh one of my players mentioned since they did know a little about the cipher system was that they liked the fact that it was the separate damage track and it wasn't you were spending points and those points were also your health like it is typically in the cipher system so they, they liked that distinction yeah, it is nice to have the separate the separate health, though it, it, it is tied to physicality a bit. It is tied to physicality as far as negating, you know, the wounds and things like that. But mm-hmm. it's not you're not literally choosing to spend a point from your health to, uh, you know, achieve, uh, you know, you know, to lower the difficulty. I mean, right. it's, so that is a little different. Um, I, I remember that at some point in the conversation that came up once. Um, but yeah, so I think I think. If you know the Cypher system, you have to be okay with unlearning things. And as long as you can do that, you're probably fine. But thinking, what if I'm set in my ways and I don't want to change? Well, then you might have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that uh, as far as a lot of the convention games I've run, where I, I took the uh, We Begin at the End adventure, mm-hmm. ran at Gen Con, also ran it uh, several times at Dragon Con. Uh, at Dragon Con, when I ran it, I don't think any of the people who had played and had ever played Cypher System before, they had mm-hmm. just signed up for it and had never, I mean, I also ran Numenera at Dragon Con, but, um, and for Invisible Sun, I think everybody was brand new. Um, well, I take that back. There are two people I know who actually had played in some of my other Cypher System games that I've run Dragon Con, but otherwise mm-hmm. they're largely brand new to it. And by the end of the, uh, the end of the game, they were all like, I was barely even having to explain things. They were picking up stuff and just running through the, the mechanics. So it's like, I think if you're you're interested in trying to learn, mm-hmm. it's not going to be that hard to pick up. No, it's not super hard. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of depth if you want to you know dig into how you can customize your character and how you yeah. can extend your abilities. And uh, and okay, that that brings up another thing that I do remember since. Uh, the fact that when we were going through character creation, uh, my players definitely liked the much more in-depth character creation compared to the Cypher system. Like, So I know that was a point of, content, uh, not contention, but like a point that people were like, oh, I really like being able to dig into it and actually have a very in-depth character creation, which... In-depth with the neighborhood and well, neighbors or... So in the, the comment was specifically about the number of choices you can make me- like mechanically and things. Okay, so your forte. Right. Your the fact you have a order. lot more different stuff, whereas 
it's not as mechanically involved in a cipher system character. Like you still have a couple things, but it doesn't do a lot of as much stuff. Like there's much more choice of different points and things. So it's like sure. a much more in-depth thing. Um, trying to think if there's really anything else that's come up so far that's been a challenge. I mean, I think it's really just working through the, how do you build a venture and how does that interact with things? Um, I can then, you know, how, like comparing it to the challenge and stuff and like, so they've been trying to figure that out versus when you want to use, uh, you know, enhancements. Um, but I would say the biggest thing at this point really has been the, just getting familiar with the setting because especially given that in invisible sun, you're not supposed to start your character off as the, the, wide-eyed new just came back to the actuality i know nothing like so you're supposed to have come back and you're already have started to reestablish yourself again mm -hmm. so like you should already know things which is interesting because players who are new to the setting they are they like all of my players i think have felt like they're wide-eyed and ignorant of everything that's right. happening and they everything is uh, confusing and nothing makes sense. And is it okay to summon demons in the street? Is it okay to like sacrifice things? Is yeah. it okay to like, you know, do this stuff? Right. And uh, yeah, I've definitely had fielded a lot of those kind of questions. And it's like, so it's interesting, an interesting choice to say your characters aren't the brand new people, but the players are definitely going to be. So mm -hmm. it's like, I wonder if it would have been better to say the characters are brand new just to have that same experience but like i guess the over the long-term point of a game it's not to be about that so i guess i can see why but like it definitely adds a bit of a well here's what you already know about this because you've been back for a couple of years or something you know mm -hmm. who knows how long yeah i mean it's you don't know for sure no we don't but we're not talking about that so uh the the way that I've been trying to, I guess the way I eased my players into it, I'm not sure I'd say I eased them into it. I just said, I, I tried to get them to focus on the morality mm -hmm. rather than the scenery. Like the morality still sort of holds true to what we know. Right. And I'd say that that's even more important to be true, especially given all of the crazy stuff going on. Because it's like when you have you know, a person who's walking down the street whose head is like, you know, a floating ball of light surrounded by moths, you know, if and then you see that person, you know, go and stab somebody, it's like, you don't know really what's going on because that person gets stabbed and then they grow an extra arm and shake hands with a person or something. Like it's mm. like, it's ultimately is like, it's some super bizarre thing, but like, it's more about, what is the the morality? What is the the meaning behind it? And so that stuff becomes even more important. So I think yeah, focusing on that actually probably is a good way to go. Yeah, and then and then it helps sort of explain away the the spells that are like, oh, I cut a hole in my chest and take my heart out and cast this spell. And the question inevitably is, shouldn't I be dead? Yeah, it's like nah, no, <laughs> no, that's not, it works not a little so differently here. Like how do you how do you handle it, Scott? I'm not sure if morality necessarily would go for, but I, I think meaning was the the term I would usually pull out to say that this is it, it, you know everything exaggerates the importance of meaning. Uh, so think about what it is you want to represent and what the things around you represent, and make up the world around those meanings because they are the anchors for everything else. And that's that's the thing that I think I I 
am trying to figure out in retrospect after a session because a lot of the time when my players are going somewhere I'm coming up with characters and uh, things that they can run into um, so it's that sort of automatic writing that gets introduced into you know my GMing style when I'm running this game so I have to find I have to find that meaning after it's been put on the table and, and it, you don't have to necessarily hope that it all comes together in uh, you know perfect cohesion either you can you can pick and choose uh, what sort of meaning to emphasize building on our conversation a few weeks ago about uh, uh, the exquisite corpse approach where it's just different people all trying to draw something or write something and then what you really want to see is meaning emerge from what looks like disconnected uh, sequences or ideas or concepts. Yeah, I have a feeling at some point we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the things that I've been, uh, you know, just sort of trusting with, you know, running a longer term campaign. I'm not so much concerned about making everything make sense. I think in a lot of ways it's okay if not everything does like it's as long as like the core beats and the core moments of it make sense and or have meaning. It's okay. If this thing over here didn't really pan out to have any sort of significance or meaning behind it, it's just, that is sometimes what the surre- surreality of it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I think that, uh, I think that can be something that, uh, you can focus on, but you don't have to be obsessive over it. And it, it's worth emphasizing that this is a conversation to have with the players. That you know the the uh, the approach and the tone of the setting is surreal, and you will try some crazy things. Not all of them are going to work. If they don't work, you can just blink and move along, and see what emerges from all emerges from play. But not to get caught up in how trying to find a place for every little item and object and NPC and monster and everything else. Sometimes they will have lasting significance and really play in to building whatever the emergent theme is. Other times they will have been false starts and that's okay. Yeah. And I, I do recall like before we started playing, that was one of uh, you know, a couple of my players kind of brought up. They uh, not sure how to handle, you know, the surreal stuff. It's like, is that mean like, how am I supposed to react to it? You know, that kind of thing. And I kind of brought up the whole like, you know, meaning over, trying to figure out how something works. And so far it seems like uh, people are kind of okay and going along for the ride, but uh, I'm still checking in every kind of every session to kind of feel how things are going. We did just uh, start walking down the path of suns. And uh, I think that has kind of helped my players. I don't know, maybe it hasn't helped them, but they, they really just sort of rolled with how strange things have gotten now that they're outside of Indigo. Like they, I asked them for an idea for the ship that they were going to get on to sail through the blue. And they said, well, we want it to be made of mattresses. And I said, well, yeah, of course it's made of mattresses. That's what that ship would be in the blue. Right. Like, of course. So they, <laughs> they seem to be rolling with that pretty well, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having, uh, having my players finally step out beyond Indigo. Now, do you feel like you need to push them out of Indigo or how long, how long do you want them to just like hang out in a place that feels almost familiar? You know, honestly, I, I'm not in a rush. Like, I don't feel like I need to push them, mm-hmm. but I think 
if anything, it's going to be me weaving character arcs that are eventually going to be, well, to succeed in the next step of the arc, you have to go over here. Mm -hmm. But of course, then I can't force them to do it. Like if they decide, well, I don't want to do that, you know, then they can stay there. So like, I don't, I don't see any immediate need to like try to force them out to it. I think it's just going to be inevitable. Mm -hmm. Um, which is an interesting contrast to my long-term Talos campaign where everything about that campaign was designed to never leave the city. And in the decade I ran it, they never did. They were in the city the entire time. So Talos is an enormous city, right? uh, So from a square footage, like a square mileage standpoint, Mm -hmm. Saturn's actually bigger. Oh, okay. Um, when you add in all the ruined expanses, so like if sure. if the unruined city would actually be larger in in size compared to Tallis. I mean, Tallis was huge for a D and D city, yes, but mm-hmm. Saturine is actually a larger city. I looked at. I remember looking at that when I first got the map from the Black Cube. I was like, "Oh, wow, Saturine's huge." Uh, and we were that. That reminds me of uh, something we were talking about on the the drive from the airport. Uh, so you said that you saw a lot of similarities between the Secrets of Silent Streets and Tolis with how the neighborhoods are laid out in this book and, you know, kind of how Monty was conveying what you can do with these different places. Yeah. I mean, if you look through one of like the one of the Tolis chapters, um, it's a lot. I mean, it's very similar into how like the, the book's laid out. I mean, you do kind of get an initial like here's a sense of what the district is like. Here's what it feels like uh, to be in mm-hmm. the, in, in that district. And then you get a list of locations and you get some NPCs and like, then there's uh, a several like encounter or two, like within that, in a location or something like that. Um, so yeah, like you can kind of look and like the structure of the chapters are very similar. So when you were running Tolis for 10 years, mm-hmm. how did you use that material? Like, how did you pull that in? So it seems like you might be able to take some notes from that and apply them. Yeah. So a lot of times what I would do, it's like, all right, well, they're heading to, you know, the South Market District in Tullis. And Mm -hmm. uh, I would kind of quickly scan over. Oh, yeah, there's this uh, this this shop that 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 makes sense for them to go to. And then, like, usually what would happen is it's like if the, the encounter that was, it happened to be listed in that area sounded really interesting. I'd go ahead and just run it the first time they'd be there. But if it sounded like something they were going to go to, I'd usually wait, like don't pull it off the very first time they go, mm-hmm. but when they come back, because to me, it, it felt made the city feel a little more alive. If it wasn't okay. Every single time we go to this place, the very first time there's some crazy encounter going on. Yeah, that makes sense. So it was more about, all right, they came back or, they came back a third time. It's like, well, okay, they've been here long enough. They've established a relationship with the place. Now let's throw something in to make it a little different the, the, the second time they came in. So the, the first time your characters are heading off to a new district, what is the what is the thing that you want them to experience in order to understand what this district's all about? Like what do you what do you want to present to them? Uh I mean, so I mean, yeah, it's like it's using a lot of the descriptions, like trying to hear what, you know, what, what is unique about that district? If there are some, you know, sounds or smells or, you know, is there some just what, like, what is the, what do the people look like as the, in, the, in that area? Mm-hmm. Like in, in Tallis, there was a specific district all about the guilds. So like if you were walking around in that area, it would be a very different feel. So it's like usually try to start off with giving them a sense of like, what kind of things can you find here and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I mean, I think, and I think that would very much apply. Well, 
it it does very much applies to Saturnine as well. And especially if you look at the way the book is set up, I mean, you get that kind of information, like here is what, uh, you know, here's what it sounds like or feels like to be in the, in this district. And here's an example neighborhood, which I found very useful mm-hmm. um, to really kind of start feeling like learning more about like what, a neighborhood is supposed to be like, there's information in black cube about all that stuff. But like, I, th- I think it going through the information in secret sound streets, it really, to me, just solidified the feel of the city for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm much more able to kind of go, all right, they want to go to the strange glass district. So now I'm, I have a really good feel now of like what that is and what's going to be different about it. And I feel like that they're the resources are right there for me to pull that in. Yeah. So, because uh, each each has that quick little paragraph or two about what that district is like. Yeah, first block. Yeah, yeah. There's the there's the uh, like the initial like sound and feel. I think is something that I think was how was titled. Yeah, oh, so, we we tried to figure this one out last time, yeah. right, Scott? But anyway, like the war, no one talks about what the actual word yes. is, the <laughs> theme and feel or whatever it is. Yeah, well, we all know what we're talking about. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, like that, and like, I love the sample neighborhood section because that really added a lot of stuff uh, when I was reading through the, the different chapters. Um, but yeah, so like that would be, that's the kind of thing that I'm really looking for is like, why would they want to go to this place? And once they're there, what does it feel like? What does it sound like? Um, and so far, uh, I mean, I haven't, I just had a chance to read through the book. I haven't had a, actually had a session since mm-hmm. I've gotten the book. Or is that correct? Oh, I've had, a, I've had development mode scene. So I, oh. I've actually been able to use uh, a location from the book in a development mode scene, but I haven't had a full table session yet. Do you want to talk about what is exciting you about things that are coming up soon? Because we do have lots of things coming up soon. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of new stuff. I mean, I know I personally am going to be getting some of the uh, the backer tier level i backed at i'm still getting some things oh yeah uh do you want to tell us what you backed uh well i I backed at the master level so and then i also added on some of the stuff for the the night side path version so i've got like a night side testament of sun's wooden board and a night side testament of sun's figure coming uh some so i'm looking forward to those things but I mean, those aren't going to be things that everybody have access to. Um, but I, I will say, I'm really looking forward to the Teratology book that's coming up. Yeah, like I'm, I, I've between some of the artwork they've posted and uh, the like, the preview material and well, the um, I'm really looking forward to that book. Like, it's you know, really going to flesh out some stuff. The the playtest material is great because. But yeah, teratology is going to be really cool. Although I guess in the preview they pages they put up, they show the. I mean, I mean, I also am really looking forward to the threshold book. Uh, what was the threshold again? The threshold is all about the labyrinth. Oh yeah, like, that that would be super interesting. Like I am really like I actually spent a little bit of time talking to Monty about it when I had the the, the call that I got to talk like for an hour and talk to him about it as part of my backer level. Mm-hmm. It's like, I was like, I want to know more about this book. What can you tell me? Given aspects of... I So I'm really looking forward to that because personally, I'm very intrigued by uh, the Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. And I know that one of my players has expressed interest in trying to pursue going there mm-hmm. uh, through stuff around his 
secret soul stuff. Uh, so he's wants to look at the magisterium and all the other stuff associated with the labyrinth. So he's actually really interested in it. And I'm like, that's actually an area. I'm, so I'm looking forward to the threshold. Book. Yeah, I'll have to read more up on that. Uh, but yeah, I think that's probably about all the time we've got because we're going to have to hit the road and get to the airport. Yeah, because I've got to fly back to Atlanta. Yay. Uh, Brandon, where can people find you if you want them to? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I am on Twitter as Boarding, B-O-R-D-I-N-G. And uh, I'm also on the uh, Cypher Unlimited Discord as Loric Aldis. Uh, so that's L-O-R-R-I-C-K-A-L-D-U-S. Yeah, you can f- also find Loric Aldis in the cube somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Actually, if you look hard enough, you'll find uh, find Loric Aldis lurking around somewhere in the black cube as well. But uh, but yeah, so I pretty much am around. Uh, I'm either going to be as boarding or Loric Aldis pretty much on any kind of social media, but primarily Twitter and the Discord. Cool. Well, um, thanks for being on. I'm not used to doing the outro, I guess, uh, when the person is right here. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on, yeah, Brandon. I'm thanks. glad we were able, were able to get the time. Uh, and Scott, any final thoughts? Nope. I think we can end with that. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha- help people find us.